Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your host, Nate Webb, live in Studio Salt Lake City area, and we got a show for you today. Today's episode is for our boys and fathers. In today's world, society would have you think that real men don't have emotions, and everyone knows here, well, that it's false. But what does it take for a boy to become a man? And so I brought an expert on this matter to help us out a little bit. Steve Anderson is married and has two sons. He's the former director of Boys to Men Mentoring Network of Minnesota, where he had led national and international transformational weekends for boys. He has over 10 years of experience working with men and boys, developing the emotional awareness and skills that they need to reach their full potential. He also has over 20 years of experience teaching people how to be more effective communicators. He lived through his dad's spectacular burnout as a teenager and works with fathers to help them avoid doing the same in their own lives. He's a certified personal coach with training in applied neuroscience. Welcome, welcome, Steve, to the show, my friend. Uh, thank you for having me here. I really like the topic that you're talking about because uh, technology, holy cow, boy, is it needed. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So tell us your story, man. How, how did you end up in this space, you know, um, where you were at with Boys to Men and everything? What was the journey? What is, what? Let us in, man. Let's start with your childhood. Like you mentioned your dad having this like spectacular burnout and all that. And let us in, man. Take us on the ride. All right. So, yeah, well, and I'll really focus in on the teenage stuff, I think, because that really fits with what you're talking about. And when I was a teenager, um, my dad, you know, you talk about what it means to be a man. And, and I don't there's no one answer, of course, but my dad grew up, you don't express your emotions. And right. so he buried them and was stressed out at work. And actually, when I say spectacular, it was, yeah, well, he was locked up for 30 days, so he didn't kill himself. You know what I mean? Oh, it wow. was just o- overwhelming, right? And back in the 80s, you know, mental illness, you just didn't even talk about it, right? I mean, right. it's like mental illness, alcoholism, kind of like a total same level. So it's all, has all that secret stuff that goes on with it. You don't talk about it and just weird coping strategies but so he um was not sometimes not physically present and most of the time not definitely not emotionally present because right. he he wasn't able to you know what i mean right right i love my dad we ended up having a, a, a pretty nice solid adult relationship you know after some both of us kind of doing some of our own work uh but so growing up i was like man how do i how do I do this? I didn't really have a role model for right. a, a lot of things. And so I did some of the, uh, um, I actually read a book. <laughs> that's ch- Company Commander It's a World War II uh, autobiography of a, of a, somebody who went over to Europe in World War II. And, and that book like set a path for me because the purpose that I saw, right? That here, here's, here's a bunch of men, right? bound together by we've got a purpose. I mean, you're defeating Nazis for good grief. Right. You know, I mean, you can't think about a, a, a better fight. And and so is that that purpose is something that I was looking for. And I think, and it doesn't have to be the military, right? But one of the things, 
you know, boys are absolutely looking for is, is a purpose, right? And, yeah. and I was, and so, um, after high school, three weeks after high school, I was in the army, you know, wow. like, out, yeah, out of this small town, just get me there. And, um, just to give you a little bit of flavor, I liked basic training better than I liked high school. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, went through, was in the army for about th uh, three years during the Gulf War. I stayed um, stateside, but it definitely, you know, gets you to think when, um, you know, I remember I went to one uh, Fort Hood and I was stationed, just got there and it's like one unit is going over um, and the other units just stay in stateside. And I didn't know for 24 hours, which one I was going into, you know, and so um, that was a weird 24 hours. I ended up staying stateside. So I never saw combat, had to deal with any of that stuff. Just kind of your um, standard was in the military, you know, clean showers with a toothbrush, learned Polish. That was pretty cool. But just, you know, did that for three years, went to college and, uh, you know, still love, I love reading, right? You can see the books in the back. Right, um, right. I'm a junkie and I went from, you know, sci-fi army stuff. And then when I was in the army, I went sci-fi and then I got college. I started reading some other things. And this whole time, um, I'm still not dealing with, uh, not knowing kind of how to express myself, mm -hmm. right? Because the role model was you, you bury it. And my mom, uh, has was bipolar and so for her the the emotional lesson was if you get really excited or really down both of those are really dangerous so i was in this spot where it's like you don't express yourself in high emotions or low emotions either one of those is is super dangerous right so i really put myself in a box and made me lousy in relationships because i wouldn't share stuff and then in my 30s i'm finally like this is just too much i got to do something and mm -hmm. i I uh, went to the Mankind Project organization, works with men and about really about um, learning how to express yourself and accountability, you know, taking, making sure the things that you say are important to you are the things that you're, you know, okay, you say that's important. What are you doing to move in that direction kind of thing? So it was really helpful to me. And that is what got me to Boys to Men. And Boys to Men for me, it made me a better father. Right. You know, absolutely. And there was a huge healing that started for me. Um, because one of the weekend, one of the first trainings that they have, because men can be really intimidated by teenagers. Yes. Right? Especially. Right. They can it's be like, rough. They can be mean. Right. And a lot of us too, don't want to go back to what we were experiencing as a teenagers. Right. I mean, that was it. Oh a, yeah. We're like, we left that to... behind, man. I don't want to get, I no. I'm done. Right. So, but when you walked in in this particular training they had some teenagers who were had part of it and they're like where were you <laughs> just like boom just this hit right uh -huh. about yeah where are these men you know where were you how are you showing up you know for the next generation and that to me was just man i get it i've always been looking for that purpose and in that moment like okay this is it you know i got my day job and this was all vo volunteer stuff i'm like but this was feeding me in a way that i didn't know i needed to be fed you know it's wow. so yeah i spent that time working with boys from you know basically 12 to 17 right and the thing that i love so unfortunately boys to men in minnesota is no longer but it's it's now it's it's out there in in other states i recommend people can look it up they're doing some really good things right um but what i really appreciated about it is 
it's not, and it was never about telling a boy what it means to be a man. It was always about when you think about like the staff, maybe there's 15 boys doing a weekend, there'd be mm -hmm. 28 staff members and, you know, close to that in the numbers of all different men, right? So it's about what's the man when you're talking to a teen that you want to be, mm. right? Because maybe the kid loves sports. Well, great. How, you right. know, what do you want to do with that? Maybe you love theater. Awesome. You know, so the thing I really respect and appreciate about boys to men is that it's not, it's not do this, be this to, you know, there's no one man. And what's the man you want to be? And then looking at how do you get there? And so um, that's way cool. Yeah. So that, I think that's, that's the big stuff for my teen experience. And then of course um, I met my wife, she was divorced and her boys were four and um, five and nine. And that was about uh, 11 years ago. And so I've had the awesome experience and I got to adopt them. Um, um, so I, you know, I've got my own two sons who are right in the, you know, 16 and 20. So um, I'm in the, definitely in the mix of yeah. you know, teenage parenting. Yeah, you are. So with the boys to men mentoring that you did, what did those like, what did those, those, those weekends look like? What did that program look like? How did it help kids that were struggling, you know, over the course of a weekend kind of change things and turn it around or at least start the process? Well, I, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that happens on one of those weekends, right. It is that the boys get seen. Okay. Right? And I think when you're working with teenagers to be, uh, well, and I, you know, I say teenagers, like, but the thing about just being your own, your dad, and when you're looking at your boys to, to be able to see them for who they are and accept them, even if you're not crazy about something that they're doing. Right. So it's like, you don't have to, um, I'm thinking as a parent now, you don't have to accept behavior to accept your son, you know, kind of deal right. In, right. in where they're at. So the powerful thing about the weekend, I'd say is twofold. One, the boys would be surrounded by safe men who could who would just see them, accept them for wherever they're at. Right. If you're mm -hmm. like, we didn't care if you're fighting with your teacher. Right. You know, it's like, hey, what's going on? What, you know, what maybe what's, you know, what's going on with the fights, but we're not going to judge anybody. We don't care what their grades are, mm -hmm. you know, and just see them and, and accept them. And then the other part is they're in a group and they get to see other boys going through their own struggles. And so the the masks, a lot of masks are temporarily taken off for the weekend. Right. And so people can be vulnerable, make those connections. And there's also that understanding of, of sometimes, you know, we really need those masks, right? There's, there's a time to wear the stoic, I'm tough mask, right? There's a time to put on the comedian mask. It's just, you don't want to be trapped behind any one of them. Right. Um, so with young men, what are some of the what are some of the unique challenges that young men today face in this super technologically advanced world that you've noticed? Uh, well, you know, when we talk about purpose, if you think about the video games to me are a double-edged sword. And on the one hand, there's a lot of group games, right? So, you know, we've got um there's sometimes your son's alone in front of the computer, mm -hmm. right? And and that's one thing. Um, and then other times he's actually on that computer with three friends from high school who he's not seen physically, but they're actually playing around joking and you can hear him laughing kind of thing, right? So there's right. 
there's a social element that, you know, when I was a kid just playing Atari or something, well, even there, if you're with your friend, but so there's a social element that can be really positive, you know, especially if you think about when COVID was going on and everybody is separated and can't see. Right. So, so I'm not going to say, you know, all bad, right? The part that I think is really tricky is all these games, right? Are designed to keep you hooked. Yeah. And, and give you that they put you on an imaginary adventure and you get the dopamine rush from the small victories and you get to the boss and you build your skills. And it's like they know what they're doing and it's addictive. And they think that's the biggest challenge, right? About how do you look how complicated the world is. I can just be playing call of duty and be super successful and feel, have all those good feelings of accomplishing stuff, you know, mm -hmm. in the moment. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I wasn't when I was 15, 16, 17, right. you know, thinking about how is this going to affect me four years from now? No, I mean, when you're a kid, you never really think in the long term. I mean, especially with our prefrontal cortex is not even close to being fully developed. Yep. You're, you're, you're thinking of the here and now you're, we are very emotional beings when we are teenagers and and we we act very emotionally um a lot of instant gratification because we're learning a lot of that stuff and it's up to you know the role models in our lives our parents or the adults in our lives to help show us you know give us that example or teach us how to live with delayed gratification how to live with you know you know learning our character and all those different things um one of the things that i feel like this world society at least right now does not want our boys to have is emotional intelligence to be emotionally aware um the world would have our boys just be emotionally obtuse be a man rub some dirt on it don't cry about it whatever it might be um how do we what's something that young males specifically can do um to help their emotional awareness and why is this something that young 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 men especially need help with um Let's see. Well, it's interesting. If, if you want to just look at numbers, right? Um, young men are, I, I haven't looked recent, two, like six times. If you're 18, you're like six times more likely to kill yourself if you're a, a male than a female. Right. Right. When, when, when boys or girls are like seven and eight, it's exactly the same. Right. And then as older you get, that suicide rate, you know, increases. Right. So and girls have more attempts, but boys have more, 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 more boys die. Right, right. They're dying because of the, the you know, the, the weapons way, that they're yeah. using to to do to this, right? Breath, yeah. And so, in a in a lot of the suicides of two is really, it's like if if there would have been somebody, and well, that's tough because I don't want anybody to feel guilty. It's an impulse, right? Right. It's suicide is so even if they're thinking about it, you definitely want to get help if your person is thinking about you know details, but it it's an impulse, and if there were if they had the that understanding that, man, I feel terrible. I feel like, but if I can just get through this next 60 seconds, right. right, or the next five minutes. So, so there's that in the most extreme cases, right there, there's the need for the emotional intelligence. But I think now boys are being pulled by both sides in, in two directions and, and neither serves because, you know, I'm in, I've been in education and I, you know, I even do subbing for, cause it's, it's staying interesting. I got my substitute teacher license. So I've been going through like tw kindergarten <laughs> through 12th grade to see what our kids are really going through, through in school. And there's, 
on the one hand, you've get the old school, think 1950s, beat tough, suck it up, right? Right, right. I, and the other hand, you're getting, you know, okay, show your emotions. But while we ask you to show your emotions, remember, men are the cause of all the problems in the world and you have all the privilege. And so, and then a kid says, and I've, I've seen this happen, right? A 15-year-old boy says, well, I don't feel like I have all this privilege. And before everybody gets him to let him talk about maybe how he sees all the girls succeeding in school, how he's always being told he's this, right. you know, a, a bunch of people jump on him and say, whoa, 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 hold on. You need to accept your privilege before we go farther. It's like, right. wait a second. So some of the people saying we want boys and men to express themselves are really saying we want them to express themselves in this specific way on these topics. And we're not really going to be open to any mm. other feelings. And how is that different? How, you know, both, both of those are just trapping boys in right. black and white boxes. Where, mm. And, and I think most people, right. Are definitely somewhere in between, but the loudest people, you know, on each side are sending some really con conflicting messages. For sure. For sure. I'm definitely in the camp um, somewhere in the middle, but um, there's definitely a problem right now that boys right now, I mean, for, for years and years and years, a long time ago, and it's still happening now that be boys are being told to be a real man. You basically, you gotta be emotionless. Um, and how do we help them to be somewhere in that healthy middle? How do we help them to express their emotions? How do we help them be emotionally aware? How do we help them to do that? without feel like, you know, without going full in to the, the complete other side of the camp right. where, you know, we're saying, oh, just, you know, do whatever you want and, you know, right. you know, no accountability. How do we help them be emotionally aware by, by, while still helping them to have resiliency, ha have thick okay. skin? How can we help them have that, that middle ground? Uh, number one, I think it's really important that we role model it. Okay. Right. Like I, I want my my sons to see me happy, laughing and goofy. I want them to see me angry about something. Right. But expressing that anger in a, in a way that's not damaging. Right. You know, being sad. Uh, it, it, so. So the first right, their first role model is is going to be us. Right. If we're dads. Yes. We're the first role models of what. um, um how men express themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, and of course, what's tricky is we, we have to, right, figure out how much is appropriate, right? How much, say, well, my dad died, right? And it's like, I don't think I'm going to take them to the entire depth where I didn't, right, of, of the grief that I was feeling at certain moments, right? Because that's not the role of the father. But to let them know absolutely, you know, how I'm sad. And you know what? This is probably going to take me a long time. And this was a doubly, um, their biological dad died. Oh, no. Uh, about, I was like six, six years ago. You know, so, so um, you know, that how do you... We need to be able to model these things. And so we might have to do, you know, when we want to help others, sometimes we got to first start by helping ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so finding a place where we can get some practice, 
whether that's mm -hmm. a you know a group any any sort of group where that you know that kind of talking is going on or whatever that's going to be but then to create space for our sons to talk right mm -hmm. and so model it and then give them opportunities to be vulnerable and not get um well not get squashed by us for yeah not it. get and, judged and we can't do it all in when i was going to high school um the only, I didn't do band. Um, I didn't do theater. I did a little bit of sports. Um, the coach was okay, but there was never any big team thing. So yeah. for me, when I I didn't I didn't think about those, right? My sons have been in sports and different versions, sports, theater, and band. And holy cow, right? My son's got a really good tennis coach who looks at those things about, you know, being successful and, and, you know, respectful in, in part of a team. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think there, there are other places too, where, and talk about technology, right? When my son's playing tennis, he's not on his phone. Yep. Yep. You know, and I went on, I was a chaperone for the band trip, um, a couple, about a month ago. Yeah. And, you know, it was great to see these kids, you know, hanging out and having fun, but they were actually too. I mean, you could see they, they were buddies. They had an opportunity to just, you know, go out and they had strong connections. And um, as far as like, what can we do as parents? I think one is absolutely look for opportunities, right? Where they can be in groups, right? Yeah. Yeah, off of technology, making those connections, and in each one of those areas, you know, band, you're on a team, right? I mean, you're in a band. You've got you play music at football games, right? If you're in a theater group, you know, then you're you're working to make this thing happen. Sports are, you know, it's kind of obvious. So those are ways where um, uh, I think you know, really healthy competition and group working together. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, as time moved on, um, like when you, you you moved past your bo your boys to men in Minnesota, um, and then when that you know that that is no more, um, you got a program now though um, called the Best Dads Program that's focused on dads to help them. Um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, and first I want to say too the the reason I call it the Best Dad and and I keep it short. It's really fully it's the best dad in the moment, right? Because I think you know the. There's a, there's a skills that we have when we've got a full night's sleep and yes. they are degraded when we're stressed out and got four nights sleep the night before. Right? Yes. So one of the things that, so it's a, a 10 week program, but what I like to do is help men see, okay, what's the vision of the father that you want to be, right? And that's coming from you, not from me, because we're all different. We all, um, you know, have our own thoughts about what that could be. Where are you at? And then looking at, okay, so you know where you want to go. You know where you're at. What are the skills that you need, you know, to start developing um, and to get to where you want to go? And then, you know, I also have some things like, you know, COVID, holy cow, right? I mean, yeah. my wife and I were really lucky because we could switch our jobs to online, you know, but that was, you know, when you think about pretty much everything coming out of the schools is saying, oh my goodness, our kids have lost one to two years of social emotional development. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not only 
that, but then you throw in the, the education too. So, you know, I've got a section on um, looking at the choices that we've all made for to survive COVID uh -huh. and which one of those now are, are kicking us in the butt. And so which ones do you need to, you know, kind of change things up? Um, and other parts include, you know, who, I don't know about you, but I absolutely was a lone wolf it kind of guy, right? Don't right. ask for help. Right. Do it myself. Right. Figure it so out. I've got a, yeah. Uh, I've got a part where, well, and I did it too, because growing up, if I asked for help, I wouldn't get it. So what's the point of asking for help? You're just going to be disappointed. You know, so that was like, I put all the weight on myself, right? right. Um, so, you know, a, a part about who can you, you know, not only who can help you in this, but how can you shape your conversational skills to get, for example, work on board, right? And to get, you know, it, if at least sometimes the best we can do is to turn somebody from I'm against what you're doing to at least I'll leave you alone, right? And <laughs> yeah, sometimes we can go for the support. So, you know, there's a part two about, you know, having those conversations to, you know, broaden your support and get people on your side. Uh, and then a lot of the neuroscience stuff will be about what's the, where are the things that you can start making small changes that is going to increase your capacity to be the dad that you want to be, right? So um, there's there's cool. I'll just give you one thing, for example. Oh, dive there's, into it. Dive into it. Let's okay. do it. Um, like when it comes to motivation, right? One of the, and there's a whole, you know, pleasure circuit of the brain and, and, and dopamine. And one of the, um, and this is why those video games are so addictive because you you win and you get the dopamine. Right. And one of the things that kills people, like so many of these New Year's Eve resolutions are going to, you know, they're already gone by the right. 15th of January. Right. Because they were too big. Right? I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Right. Well, they didn't go. They didn't go. Well, I'll never do that because the goal was too big. In neuroscience, the best thing that you can do if you want to change your behavior is to start as small as you can and be successful. Right. So if, say it was fitness. Interesting. You know, you're not going. Right. Yeah. So if you said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk 15 minutes a day. Right. Or I'm going to take the stairs when I get to work. That's it. Can I do that? Heck yeah, I can. Well, you do that for a week or two. Right. Oh, hey, I walked the stairs. You feel good. Your brain gets that dopamine hit the pathway of walking the stairs and feeling good starts. You know, you do that for a while. All of a sudden, not all of a sudden. It builds up and you like taking the stairs. And then you said, oh, look, I've been successful with taking the stairs 15 minutes. Maybe at lunch, I can do 20 minutes of this or, you know what, you name it. But that starting small is really a good way to ensure your success when you try to make changes. Why is that? Why does starting small do like starting small and succeeding versus like aiming big and getting there eventually? Well, so it... You know, it's nice to have a vision. You need to, you know, you want to know where you want to go. But, um, like, let um, think about this way. If you want to run a marathon, you don't run 26 miles the first time. That's right. That's right. You got to train, right? So, right? Three miles here, five miles, build up to yeah. it. So consider that the small, by starting small, you are retraining your brain. And this I thought was always really interesting. If your behavior doesn't change. You haven't changed your thinking. Oh, wow. If your behavior right? hasn't so, changed, you haven't changed your thinking. Right. So, and, and confidence actually comes from the behavior change. 
You know, you can't say, hey, I can do it. No, it's like you have to do it. And then you're like, hey, I can do it. You know, so that starting small is training yourself to be successful and you're moving in the direction. And, and this ties into resilience. I mean, if you start, you build up your resilience, not by being overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you build up your resilience by hitting one of those smaller, medium level challenges and you meet it. And then, you know, you can then each time you make that up, you just get a little bit more resilient. And, you know, the next thing you know, a year from now, something that would have made you go off your rocker angry right, right. is like, huh, I don't like it, but I'm not going to lose my mind over it. Right. So we need to put ourselves in positions and push ourselves so that we're not so that we're uncomfortable, but not so that we're overwhelmed. Okay. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. And oh, so I can give you a funny example for myself. I was, um, like a lot of people, one of the worst flossing of teeth persons you've met. Oh, okay. I, I don't want to floss my teeth. Uh, no. I, I can change this though. And so I'm, I'm taking this 14 week course, right? And they're talking about start small. And the, the instructor, this neuroscientist, she goes, commit to flossing one tooth. You know, I'm like, this is crazy. That's right? weird. Yeah. Right? But she's like, start small. And so I'm like, ah, well, hey, as, as long as I'm doing this, but I, and I also know and think at the end of the night, at 10 o'clock, I don't want to floss my teeth, period. So I'm right. thinking like, I don't have the willpower at 10 p.m. to do that extra kind of stuff. So I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, after supper, I still have some energy. My wife and I, we usually, we, we eat dinner, um, usually pretty healthy and then have like a piece of chocolate or something for dessert. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have that piece of chocolate, right? Finish the meal. And then I'm going to go floss a tooth. Okay. And so I'm like, well, as long as I'm flossing one, I'll floss two. You know what I mean? And so I flossed and I'm like, okay, next day, had my piece of chocolate, feeling good wouldn't flossed and within a couple weeks now 90% of the time I finish supper and I go floss you know and it and it, and I even kind of look, look at myself going holy cow I'm 53 years old right and you can change you can teach a dog an old dog new tricks because now um I'm flossing and it's not a pain in the butt i mean I'm, it's not like i'm singing a song and cheering about it but hey um i'm doing it and started small right and i like and that put it and i think this is one of the things we have to think about our schedule right i put it earlier in the day because there's just no way oh and an added benefit after i floss and brush after dinner i'm not snacking in the evening Right. Because my right. teeth feel clean. Right. You know, clean. So it's like, you don't want to little... mess that up. <laughs> yeah. It's... I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said, you don't want to mess that up. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Um, And I'm human, too. So sometimes, right, if it's a Saturday and we're going over to our neighbors or something, it's like, you know, it's not happening today. But that's the exception, not, right. The, right. The, not rule. the rule. I like that. I like that a lot. This has been a good conversation, man. I like... Um, I like the thought of, you know, pushing ourselves to be uncomfortable, but not be overwhelmed, um, to not be burnt out so that at the end of the day, 
we can still be there for our kids so that our kids can still be seen so that we can still see them and they can still be heard. Um, as we wrap up, how can people see what you're up to? Shameless plug time. How can people see what you're doing? Um, well, you know, the, the easiest thing to do is send me an email at steve at steveanderson.coach. And right before this started, and I want to have a conversation, um, I'm creating just for, for us on this, because I really like your topic, um, a technology and social media conversation starter set, little PDF. It's probably going to be about two pages, nice. right? So and it'll look at um, basically right usage, what's effect it's having your kids and what are potential alternatives. So sort of walk you through how you could have a, to start a conversation, right? And sometimes, right, starting small, having that conversation about how much you're on TikTok, YouTube, Discord, can be a starting point. So if they send me an e email, you know, say, say Nate, or just say technology or something, I will um, send them that PDF. And at the bottom of the email, I'll have a link to I've got a, um, a Facebook page, the best ad um, project, and I'll put on the, the website for my coaching business on, on there too. And um, I don't, I'm not a big mailer. So when I get your email, you know, you'll get that. And then, you know, if something's coming up, I'll let you know about it. And then you can always unsubscribe because I'm who likes that kind of inundated stuff. But I think the handle will be nice. And you can see if there's some other things that I have that um, are interested to you. Yeah, that's awesome. And all that will be linked in the podcast description as well. So you guys can go email him, go follow him. Um, and get that that handout. There's lots of good information there. He's doing wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and as a reminder, if you'd like Save the Kids to come speak at your school, community, or church, you can fill out a speaker form linked in the podcast description as well. Have a wonderful day, everyone. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.